0: In this special review edition of The Late Edition, Monocle's editors and correspondents look back at the biggest stories of 2020. And if it wasn't self-evident, it has been a year of big stories. We'll assess how notions of political leadership fared during the pandemic, get the entrepreneurial view on the 12 months gone by, and we'll hear from Jane Fonda on the state of our climate and the activism surrounding it. That's all to come here on this special edition of The Late Edition, here on Monocle 24 you hey. Hello there, and a very warm welcome to you to the late edition here on Monocle 24. It is Christmas Eve, and I'm Thomas Lewis here in Toronto. and Joining us for this special review edition of the late edition on Monocle 24 Daniel Bache, who is in London, and from Milan Monocle's Europe editor at large, Ed Stocker. Daniel, Ed, great to share a bit of Christmas Eve with you this year. Um, let's sort of set up this programme a little bit for our listeners, in that, uh, in the run up to Christmas, we we thought that we'd sort of create a bit of a Christmas stocking of news, if I can put it that way. And I asked you both to dip your hands in and pick out a big story that you thought best defined the year gone by. Daniel, how much of a challenge was that, given just how big a news year the past 12 months have been?
1: What I've found that's been underscored in everything, in, in the business stories that I cover on The Entrepreneurs and on the news shows we cover across Monocle 24, one of the big things is people really realizing the crises that we face uh, as humanity, I think. And those have been underscored in so many different ways, Tomas, and we can get into that a little bit. And I think uh, one of those is, is obviously a climate crisis. And there's been, been this interesting sort of uh, perhaps sigh of relief, I think, from a lot of global leaders on the election of Joe Biden and this idea of the reset of of some of the big issues that need to be tackled. So that's an interesting thing that I've picked up on, I think, is is really been underscored throughout this entire year.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's funny, isn't it? Because you always say at the end of each year, you tend to have the traditional wrap up looking back on the year. And you always say, it's been a big news year. But I think, I have to say, 2020 takes the biscuit, doesn't it? But I think, in a way, Thomas, away from the news, it's taught us a little bit, and these have been themes as well that we've sort of seen crop up in Monocle, in the magazine over uh, the last few issues this idea of we've all sort of learned to maybe slow down a bit be more gentle with ourselves recalibrate reset uh we've been living in a different way and it and it's caused us to sort of have time to to rethink some things or perhaps learn new skills uh find new appreciation for certain things so i think that is really the silver lining
0: And I believe, Ed, hopefully we'll have time before the end of this special edition of the programme to discuss one of your new skills this year, which I believe is how to make a loaf of sourdough.
2: Uh, (laughs) The less said about that, the better, I
0: think. (laughs) Okay, well, moving swiftly on then, let's begin with the story of the year, the coronavirus pandemic and how in particular various leaders around the world dealt with it. Daniel, to start with you, perhaps one of the most dramatic moments in the early stages of the outbreak was Boris Johnson's positive diagnosis for the virus and his subsequent treatment in intensive care for it in a London hospital. Before we get your thoughts on Johnson's leadership more broadly speaking during the outbreak in the uk let's hear a quick clip now of his first address from dining street after his release from hospital i want to thank you the people of this country for the sheer grit and guts you've shown and are continuing to show every day i know that this virus brings new sadness and mourning to households across the land And it is still true that this is the biggest single challenge this country has faced since the war. And I in no way minimise the continuing problems we face. Prime Minister Boris Johnson there speaking from Downing Street shortly after he was released from hospital after being diagnosed with COVID-19. Daniel, listening to that now, when we look back at how Boris Johnson and his government have handled the past few months, handled the outbreak in the UK, what strikes you most about his, his leadership particularly?
1: Well, that's a really interesting clip because you can almost hear in his voice, Tomas, that he's still not operating at 100%. He had been very sick, as we know, and, and in hospital, and you wouldn't wish that on anyone, but I think it, it almost took that uh, happening for Boris Johnson to really understand the gravity of, of the situation at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, or even before there was a lockdown. He was going on saying, oh, I, I shake hands with people, I don't wear a mask, and I visited a hospital and... And, uh, you know, as the year has gone on, we've, we've learned a lot about uh, this virus and how it spreads. So, uh, you know, y- y- you don't blame people for not understanding how things work at the beginning. And that's, that's true for everyone and, and for leaders as well. But uh, his tone has stayed pretty consistent through all of it obviously Boris Johnson always sounds quite uh, quite jovial and he tries to always sound quite enthusiastic even uh, when he's selling a, a losing hand perhaps but uh, that was just a, an incredible moment uh, where uh, he had to go through you know being very very sick for for days and weeks and and, and then having to go right back into the uh, the job of of keeping people uh, motivated to stay strong against uh, battling this pandemic it was really something to watch. And as far as uh, leadership, you know, I think there's uh, been points uh, throughout the year where he's uh, lacked a little bit of seriousness, uh, which uh, perhaps it's just in his character and the way he does speak and carry on, but. Uh, Uh, Overall, uh, I think uh, their government has learned uh, a a lot of hard lessons.
0: And Ed, as our former editor in the United States, let's bring you in here to look at Donald Trump's leadership during the pandemic. Uh, There probably isn't enough time in a single review show to unpick all of the threads of Donald Trump's role during the, the outbreak in the United States. But let's hear now a quick part of his now famous or infamous, I guess, depending on how you look at it, his speech that he made after his release from hospital from a balcony at the White House. I just left Walter Reed Medical Center, and it's really something very special. The doctors, the nurses, the first responders, and I learned so much about coronavirus. And one thing that's for certain, don't let it dominate you. Don't be afraid of it. You're going to beat it. We have the best medical equipment. We have the best medicines, all developed recently, and you're going to beat it. Donald Trump there speaking after his discharge from hospital after testing positive with COVID-19. Ed, I don't think it's taking a side here politically to say that Donald Trump managed to turn the coronavirus in the United States into a political issue as much as a public health one. What have your reflections been on Donald Trump's presidency during the pandemic in that prism?
2: You know, I was based in New York City and I saw Donald Trump constantly having spats with the governor there, Andrew Cuomo, who, of course, is a Democrat. And we saw it time and again that, you know, Donald Trump was picking fights and and blaming uh, governors and city mayors. Who happened to be Democrats saying that their cities were run badly, that the reason coronavirus is rampant there is due to bad leadership, making it about leadership. And at the same time, just, you know, sending extremely mixed messages and uh, communicating poorly, giving some bad advice about how you should treat it even you know that speech we played just now on the white house balcony about not letting it dominate your life not being afraid of it uh you know could be construed by some people as that everything's fine interesting as well to see the fact that joe biden is is going to take a completely different course when he's inaugurated next month he's already said that he wants to make all americans wear masks uh, universally for the first 100 days of office so and he it's going to be a very different um, way to tackling the virus. And it'll be interesting to see how those numbers change, how federal leadership, how the presidency works once Biden's in power in tackling coronavirus.
0: Well, let's turn our attentions to other leaders around the world uh, this year and how they've fared. Ed, let's begin with you. Who caught your attention as having successfully or otherwise uh, stepped up to the plate during the pandemic this year?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm definitely not going to be the first person to say this, but yeah, I've had my eye on Jacinda Ardern in, in New Zealand this year. And actually before that, um, you know, not talking about coronavirus for a moment, going back to 2019, you'll remember the mass shootings uh, in March of 2019 that left uh, some 50 people dead. I just remember her appearing in public, Um, you know, she gave financial assistance to families afterwards, banned assault weapons, and there she was at the, the funeral wearing a veil and hugging family members and just seeming very real, which I think is a quality that we don't see, oddly enough, in that many leaders nowadays. And I think she's really taken that realness into 2020.
0: And I think we can hear a clip of Jacinda Ardern on election night. Here's a part of her speech after her party had gained such a momentous result back in
3: October. And governing for every New Zealander has never been so important, more than it has been now. We are living in an increasingly polarised world, a place where more and more people have lost the ability to see one another's point of view. I hope that this election... New Zealand has shown that this is not who we are, that as a nation we can listen and we can debate, after all we are too small to lose sight of other people's perspective. Elections aren't always always great at bringing people together, but they also don't need to tear one another apart.
0: New Zealand's Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern there addressing her supporters on election night in New Zealand in October. Daniel, to bring you in here finally on this subject, I wanted us to hear a brief clip of Canada's Prime Minister Justin Trudeau right back at the beginning of the pandemic when he gave a press conference specifically aimed at children and answering their questions here in Canada. Let's hear a brief clip of that now before we get your thoughts on how Trudeau has led his country this year.
3: But, Mr. Hudeau, you didn't really give us a taste of how you sang happy birthday. Could you could you do that for us? Could you sing a little <laughs> bit of happy birthday for us?
2: Oh, a little happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, happy birthday, <coughs> happy birthday to you. And that wasn't 20 seconds, so
1: I do it again. Happy birthday to and you. And you make sure that it lasts as long as you possibly can. And you come out smiling at the end of it. That clip uh, just... Uh... Proves that uh, Trudeau never gets an easy question, even <laughs> even when it's uh, a lighter one. But uh, I'm actually a little bit disappointed he didn't sing in both French and English. I'm sure there were some, some critics uh, out there on social media. But, uh, you know, moments like that really... Uh, were what Justin Trudeau needed at the beginning of the year, at the beginning of the pandemic. Of course, he's been beset by a host of scandals, and there are a a number of issues that were taking place in the country beforehand, Uh, one of the biggest being uh, the downturn in the energy sector in Western Canada, which was uh, bringing a lot of heat his way. He did win, I think, a lot of uh, points early in the pandemic, and even from a Uh, They hardened uh, Trudeau critics across the country for, you know, really appearing to be transparent and really appearing to be uh, serious about this. Throughout this, Tomás, there's a damned if you do, damned if you don't, I think, for Trudeau. And that's been pointed out uh, just uh, in the last couple of weeks in, in a story that's come out about very vocal Uh, uh, anti-vaxxers in the country. Overall, I I think he had uh, a strong chance at the beginning to to win back some points, which he did. And uh, throughout this, I think uh, a pandemic that drags on really doesn't help any leader, does it?
0: Well, next here on this special edition of The Late Edition, let's turn our attention to the business world. Daniel, you host the Entrepreneurs here on Monocle24. It isn't possible to pin down all of the effects and the ramifications on economies and on businesses around the world that the events of this year have wrought upon them. But what struck you most from your conversations with entrepreneurs from around the world that you've spoken to for the entrepreneurs about the year uh, that they've had and how the events have played out from there? Vantage points.
1: It's been uh, really quite interesting to hear uh, a lot of positivity in this uh, sector about uh, the hard work that has to be done, but also in collaboration. And, uh, you know, I think we have a clip we can play from one really interesting conversation that um, was uh, important for me this year. And it was uh, this. A small company started by three sisters from from right here in the UK, Tomas. uh, One is a textiles expert, and and the other two sisters had been going around the world for for over a decade working on humanitarian projects um, as documentary filmmakers, and they uh, came together to uh, start this brand, which is around technical accessories. Uh, So they they talked to me about uh, this idea of uh, collaboration, and I think we can hear that uh, clip now, Tomas
3: this journey we've been on the last three years has been extremely difficult however as a team we're moving forward and the more people we meet with the same kind of mindset with the same kind of values the more inspired we get it has to be a group movement but yes sure anyone can create change
2: and i just want to add to that you know in relation to different organizations whether there's a there's definitely a place for the individual but there's also a place for the collective. And I think, you know, we can't ostracize politicians. In fact, we need to encourage politicians to to be better, to make better policy. I think what kids are taught in schools and universities really matters. And so I think it has to be a multi-pronged kind of approach to tackling, whether it's the environmental crisis or leadership crises in the world. I think it needs to be
3: massive amounts of collaboration, to be honest. I believe that the consumer, the customer has to drive that change. As the consumer, we need to be asking what environmental impact does this product that I want to buy have or who made it? So we need to be asking the questions and and the hard questions to push big corporations and and big labels to change. Otherwise, they won't change. So I, I really feel and that's kind of refreshing and kind of inspiring. We have the power in our hands. We just need to be asking the right questions.
1: So that was um, Sophia Scott and then her sister, Georgia Scott, and, and then again, Sophia talking uh, about what their uh, quite small label is, is trying to tackle. But there is really this idea of collaboration that I'm hearing about over and over again, uh, and that businesses really are connected globally, but it's a whole ecosystem of change where it's up to governments, businesses, consumers to really uh, think about the role they play and, and, and really demand to change things now.
0: Well, finally, on this special review edition of The Late Edition, let's turn our focus now to climate. A little earlier this year, we spoke to Jane Fonda, who published her own book this year about the climate crisis. And I asked her about the state of climate activism this year.
3: It feels like a turning point. You know, the notion of intersectionality, that word which was put out into the universe by Kimberly Crenshaw, and seemed only a year and a half, two years ago, as very, I don't know, inside and rhetorical. Now it is being lived, it is being lived. People understand that all these, the mentality that created the climate crisis, the colonial, misogynistic, sexist, xenophobic mentality that the earth is just ours to use, it's an endless, pit for our wastes, we have the right to exploit it like we do women and indigenous people and people of color. These are all connected, all these things, and the solutions are interconnected as well.
0: Jane Fonda speaking to us a little earlier this year. Ed, if notions of of climate and climate activism have been overshadowed by many of the other huge events that have taken place in the past few months. What would you say has has caught your eye as some of the biggest developments in ideas of climate activism over the past year?
2: First of all, I just want to say very jealous indeed that you got to speak to the great Jane Fonda there. I have to confess that I often cannot read about climate change because i just find find it rather upsetting but i don't want to be too negative about all of this because as david attenborough might say it, it's never too late to change and uh, i think this idea again that we, we were looking at a little bit before about taking it into your own hands whether it be a business whether it be climate activism it's it's all possible i remember when i was in new york being able to hear the birds because there was less traffic so how do we take all those things how do we recalibrate and think about smarter tourism how do we think about uh congestion and traffic and the place of the pedestrian in our cities and creating more spaces these are all positive ways if we act on them that everyone from someone at home to a city leader can help change the world for 2021
1: yeah, I definitely. Uh, it was really interesting to hear that clip from from Jane Fonda, and, and the thing that really stuck out uh, to me was when she said, "You know, solutions to so many things are are inter- interconnected, and you know, we haven't even really dug deep uh, on some of the other massive stories uh, this year, and that's uh, the protests that rocked the United States over and globally around racial inequality, uh, which was pointed out in that clip, and and the wildfires uh, that raged again in, in California. So it, there's this turning point, and and I think. The the change that needs to be made to, to head in the right direction for humanity, for business, for everyone, uh, those things will will really be accelerated. Uh, hydrogen, I think, is a really interesting thing. We're going to see being talked about again and again as a as a, an alternative uh, energy source. You see big announcements being made uh, such as diesel cars being banned here and in, in not uh, too distant future which i think is 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 a wonderful thing uh so these big uh, issues i think there is a a realization that uh, change uh, and impact can be made it it just takes a a bit of desire so i think uh, that's something i'm am excited to see roll into the next year and especially as uh, we we get uh, hopefully some relief from from this incredible uh, pandemic
0: Well, Daniel Bache and Ed Stocker, that is all we have time for for this special edition of the programme. A big thanks to the two of you for sharing some of your Christmas Eve with us here on the programme. A very Merry Christmas to the two of you. A big thanks too to our studio manager today, Sam Impey, who is in London. I'm Thomas Lewis here in Toronto. Thank you very much for listening and I hope you have a very Merry Christmas.